With, With the taste of your lips, I'm on a ride. You're toxic, I'm slipping under. With the taste of a poison paradise, I'm addicted to you. Don't you know that you're toxic? I'm in love with you, dude. Don't you know that you're toxic? Yeah, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Men's junk <laughs> have we got a topic for you today oh yeah i think that song gave a little tidbit to what the topic is what's the topic the topic today is toxic masculinity Ooh, and i'm your first host vito rizzo and my name is sebastian ankiel and we are discussing fringe male topics seldom talked about for the betterment of men and women included now toxic masculinity hot topic controversial totally Yes. Super hot topic. I mean, uh, I feel like it's been really thrown around a lot recently. So I feel like it's kind of a hot button and we just wanted to just touch it. A little you bit. really wanted to do this topic. Totally. I, yes. I, I think it's I think it's important I for everyone. You, I pleaded on hands and knees. Don't. No, we can't. Well, think of the children. Vito, you're just, you know, hands and knees. Hands and knees. <laughs> I, I don't what remember. So it couldn't have been that good. <laughs> So why don't we jump right into it? Because we got a lot to talk about, don't we? Yeah, we we? do. We got lots to go over here. So first and foremost, if we're going to talk about toxic masculinity, we got to get our definitions right, right? Yes. So for the purpose of the podcast, we wanted to kind of keep it simple. So without giving you a lot, like we're going to get into the definition and then we're going to go into certain aspects of it. And before that, obviously, we'll also describe how we've had different experiences with toxic masculinity. So the definition of toxic masculinity is norms of masculine behavior that lead to self-harm or harm to society. I agree with that. Yeah. And I mean, I be, I think the biggest part about this is that like, I feel a lot of, and I'm, I'm just, you know, this is my opinion. People can disagree with me if they like, but. A hush. I know. I know. Um, Not well, an opinion. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is it's, it's. It's harmful to everyone. Like the people that are actually the most toxic are also being harmful to themselves as well. And I think a lot of the times we miss that point. So it's really relevant in today's day and age because it's not only oppressive for women, but it's totally oppressive for men as well. Mm -hmm. The thing with the definition is it's still a broad definition. It And what I told you when we were discussing this topic is the devil's in the details. Yes, which is why we tried to bring up certain aspects and try to kind of get into them a little deeper so people could have a clear understanding of exactly what it means. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, the the term is relatively new and it, I believe that it's even possible it could evolve over time. Like these things are all very fluid. So it can, you know, toxic masculinity can manifest in a lot of different ways, more so than even the ones we're describing. So it's something to keep in mind because it is a very new term and I, I we're not really sure where it's going to go yet. Yeah, and we both thought the best way to kind of get into what is deemable as toxic masculinity is our personal experiences because we have I think we are two different sides of the coin when it comes to toxic masculinity. Oh, big time. I mean, yeah. when we were discussing this yesterday, it it was really staggering what a big difference there really was because my experience is totally different than yours. And I think that, you know, as a listener, if you're listening to this right now, I think it's important to, to take what we say uh, with 
the caveat that you've heard that we both have different experiences and in, in how this manifests. So um, maybe we could start with you, Vito. Like, what do you? Th- <gasps> Me? Yes, yes, you. Oh. No, I know. I, ooh, ooh, teacher, teacher, uh, teacher, teacher. Uh, oh, right here, right here, right here, uh, right here. Me, 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 me. Vito. Yes. Okay, okay. Um, yes. Can, can, your question for you now uh-huh. is how has toxic masculinity manifested in your life, oh. little Vito? Oh, I didn't Just study for time. this test. No. Oh, boy. I don't know why I raised my hand <laughs> we're first. Back to, we're back to parts work now. <laughs> so, so for me, and toxic masculinity has manifested in me in the quote unquote nice guy behavior. Okay. Is typically when we think of toxic masculinity, we, you know, like the ultra violence, the kind of over-the-top forms of toxic masculinity that we could kind of just point in like, hey, that's not cool. That's not Mm. constructive. But there's a whole – the other side of the coin is, and from where I come from, is there's a subtle, beneath-the-surface, covert form of toxic masculinity. And for me, that's been the phrase that fits best is Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. And so growing up, I was very kind of quiet, sensitive guy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, where you had an unruly dad, I had a very unruly mom. Yeah, totally. So I was very always afraid to speak up and to ask what I want. So a lot of my life, and especially with women, would always be covert in my intentions. Okay. So, for example, is I would like a girl... And instead of like asking them out or just being blunt with my approach, I would try to do nice things to gain favor with this person in a deceiving way. Okay. So something like, I'm going to do nice things for you, but mm-hmm. in return, I want to get laid. That was That's kind of the covert way of doing things in my world at the time. And okay. that's an aspect of toxic masculinity. I don't think it's talked about a lot. Could, could I ask you a question actually about that? Um, because recently in my life coaching class, we've been talking about uh, boundaries and values. And it, it's really interesting when you talk about it. What? How did you, you know, from that perspective and that standpoint, how did you deal with conflict? Oh, like, a complete submission and avoidance. So is it was it passive or passive aggressive? Does it, it would you be, see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They're really definitely curious. a combination of passive and passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would kind of let that just build up over time and let that stew. Oh you wow! Know? And there's the aspect of holding grudges and you know this anger mm-hmm. towards people that you know. I believed at the time kind of did me wrong. And, of course. You know, but I didn't have the courage to do that. So I would try to make it back in this vindictive way in a covert style way without actually confronting the person about, you know, hey, you said something and I didn't like it. Can we clear that up? Yeah, of course. I would just go quiet, covert. I'm going to try to figure out how to get back at this person and kind of stab him in the back. Wow. Metaphorically speaking. Yeah. And that, for me, is is an aspect of toxic masculinity that is seldom seen. We mostly view a lot of the big 
outbursts of violence and stuff like that. But toxic masculinity can also be a, a very subtle beneath the surface thing. I, I just wanted to say for a second, though, I think it's really admirable that you are actually taking your responsibility as a man to acknowledge the ways that you've learned how to interact with the world. And and you could easy, very easily just blame your mother uh, for, you know, teaching you how to be this way. But it, it, I think it's really admirable that you're actually stepping up to the plate and trying to acknowledge these weaknesses because I think it's really important for us to do so. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people would just be like, well, this is just the way I was raised and, and that's it, right? And I mean, I don't think people talk about the concept of like manipulation enough, especially in those kind of contracts that people don't even know they're signing up for. Yeah, it. I'm sure there's some kind of Buddhist quote about what you're born were with versus what you are striving to achieve and mm-hmm. what you need to overcome. And really, you know, I was dealt a bad hand of cards, not the worst hand in the mm-hmm. world, but it still left me with a lot of stuff I needed to realize and fix. Of course. Totally. You know? It sounds really challenging. Yeah. And, you know, it, we don't talk about the covert toxic masculinity enough. You know, yeah. We, we talk about it and we're going to get into a lot of <laughs> well, yeah. aspects of toxic masculinity, but they're always overt. They're always out in the open. Well, they're very easily definable and viewable. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And because it's so viewable, I mean, that's why I think a lot of people refer to those aspects first mm-hmm. instead of what you're describing here. Yeah. And the one that we are going to get into is like isolation and mm-hmm. a sense of distrust and control. Totally. Yeah. Which I mean, is is very much my realm is uh, not seeking help. Okay. Not that really helps wanting me Wanting help, not asking for help. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like bear it on myself, you know, toughing it out, you know, believing that's the way a quote unquote man needs to do it. You got to just brunt it. You got to take it on the chin. Is that the way that your father still communicates and interacts with the world? There is no communication of emotions or dealing with emotions. Oh, wow. My um, father asked, and I have two dads. I have a stepdad and a dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Trust me, it was not as fun as my two dads. Mm -hmm. That would have been a lot funner. Uh, And they're both very passive dudes. They just kind of take it and move on with their life. Mm -hmm. You know, the mom was, you know, that that's where the chaos ensued. And that's kind of contrast from your upbringing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, for me, I had a mother who was dealt with the world in a very passive way because her number one value was really the family. So she never wanted to create conflict with anyone. And my father, you know, he came back. He was working on a fishing boat. He came back when I was around 12. He was not, he, he he was, he had expectations that were built around his upbringing about how the house is supposed to be run. And it was his way or the highway. And that was actually something he would say. One of his most common things he would also say is, you know, like it, he treated it like a monarchy. Like his exact words were like, I am the king and you are the prince. Like those are his exact words. I was just thinking that. And and so it was a monarchy. So you didn't question. So 
you know, here's me, young kid. You know, my dad asked me to clean my room. I say, why? He says, because I said so. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no questioning there. You're not allowed to question. And in fact, even questioning was kind of viewed like as being disrespectful. Or a challenge to, yeah. in his view. And in general, he would end up dividing the family. Uh, he ended up putting my mom in a really awkward position because she constantly was put in a spot where she had to decide uh, between me and between my dad. And it was extremely awkward for her. And, a lo- you know, there's also like other examples, like he was extremely domineering. Like if, if my dad put my foot down, his foot down on something, it was, you know, like I'll give you an example like of, of what I thought was really unhealthy and happened actually relatively recently. Uh, we, we got a dog. We, my dad got a German Shepherd and my mom actually hates this dog. Like she hates it. Yeah. And the story goes that my dad really wanted to get a dog and we they went, they visited this, you know, the the people, they saw the dog. My mom really wasn't in support of having this dog. And she said, you know, let's let's just, you know, let's just not do it for now. And my dad basically made the house such an uncomfortable place to be because he didn't get what he wanted till she acquiesced and now they have a dog. Mm. So your dad reminds me of Genghis Kong. Like he just like that's the kind of monarchy <laughs> warlord. Like, like oh my god! Like just getting into it. Like you know, I, I think I might have mentioned in one of the past episodes. I tried to talk about the suffering my dad. Like my dad endured a lot of suffering, and and I think you know for that I could give him. I don't want to excuse him for his behavior, but it's understandable that he did what he did because for a lot of the ways in in a lot of the ways because he was just trying to survive. And it might have just really messed him up. And I guess where I'm going with this is that when I talked about his suffering when he was young, he he wouldn't even talk about his feelings. Like he he would say he he would say he would say it was hard or I had no choice. Mm -hmm. But there was never any direct. There was no direct acknowledgement of actual feelings of you know, helplessness or I was scared or I was lost. And those feelings very much uh, didn't, they didn't really exist. And there was a really, really big emphasis in my family on achievement. And when I was young, I, the bar was set extremely high for me when they found, when my parents found out that I was a little bit academically gifted. So the bar was set basically at a point where your expectation is you need to become a doctor, lawyer, or professional sports athlete, or you failed the family. I was about to call shenanigans with that doctor. I couldn't, I couldn't well, imagine you engineer, as a doctor. You know, something, something sports you know, athlete, highly yes. academic. Doctor, no. And, and I mean, the drive, this is an, actually, we're going to get into this later. The drive was so extreme. I'll give you an example. So there was a point where I used to take, um, before my grade 12 year of high school, I took a fat burner called HydroxyCut, which some of you might have heard of, and it had ephedrine in it. And, you know, I went off during the season and, you know, some people were like, whoa, you're nuts. That, that's, that, that's, you know, it's a really strong stimulant. 
And I remember one time we went down to Spokane and we were playing football in the States and there were scouts there. And, you know, I was kind of sad. Like I wanted to have my, you know, performance enhanced with me because, you know, that was the way I was raised. Like your value was determinant on how, if you won that week, like that was, that was your value to the family. Like that was what your worth was. It was not about, you know, just being a person. You didn't just get love for free. You had to win or get straight A's. Mm -hmm. So here I am. I'm in the parking lot, okay? My dad runs up to me and he literally throws two pills into my hand. He goes, take them, take them. Like, wow. Like, like the level, uh, like the extreme level of, of <laughs> the drug pusher. No, like, like you, you, it wasn't just like we had to be successful. We had to be successful by any means necessary, you know? And if it, so, you know, if it meant like taking a stimulant before a football contest, then my dad had no problem with it. I mean, I don't even know if it was even legal to take over the border over the t- at the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's Probably like, not. Why did he even do that? Like, so it was just. You must win, Sebastian. Yeah. And so <laughs> I never. Genghis Kong. You must win for Genghis Kong. It was so extreme. And there was very, uh, the other thing that was really, really normalized in my family is, is love was very conditional. So you either did what you're told and you did what you're expected and you got love or you didn't. And if you didn't, then you received scorn. And because, and the reason why I believe that I received so much scorn is because it was a tactic to control my behavior. And he thought that if he could come down hard enough, if he could, you know, really give me some consequences for my poor behavior or my lack of uh, achievement, then uh, I would do what, what he it intended me. And if I just listen, if I just listen to what he told me, he'd always say, if you just listen to what I tell you, then everything would be fine. You know, like it was so controlling. Like even just saying that, like it really makes me cringe. Like if you just do, you know, and then uh, the other thing is like, my dad was also the, like it, it, it slipped away so quickly because we all figured out that like he was the person you did not want to go to in the middle of a crisis. Oh yeah, like like the car the car blew up one time like on my way to um, on the way back from a Soyuz, and like I had to pay two grand to replace the motor, and when my dad came out to help me out, which I thought was actually really awesome, and I thought would be like a really good you know relationship building experience, like me and my dad. My dad's helped me out. No, oh. my dad had to be like, "What did I tell you? I told you to put oil in the car." I'm like, "Dude, I put oil in the car," like just like. Do you think I didn't learn when I had to pay two grand? Do you think I didn't? Do you think I didn't like learn my lesson? Do, do you think I needed more salt in the room? To learn your lesson, Sebastian. Like it's so extreme. Like it's just so insane. Like, That's like just a... the amount of criticism. Like it was just and and you know and, and at the end of the day, what I think about is that like he likely put himself through the same kind of criticism, and I, I at the end of the day, I kind of feel so, more sorry for him than anything else. Yeah, what other chances his dad did a similar thing? Yeah. That your dad did too. Like he's yeah. just, I don't know. I think he, you know, I think working on the fishing boat, my opinion is I think that coming with $80 in a suitcase, working on a job that he thought was, you know, criminals should be doing. Uh, it really, uh, it really, it, it, it really warped his brain. I, you know, cause actually my, my, my understanding of my grandpa and I, I didn't know him very well is most people say he was a really nice guy, but he might have learned, I believe he may have learned from my grandma because she's quite domineering. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah, and actually it's really interesting. Narcissism, typically um, the parents actually pick out their favorite and then they groom them to be like them. 
So uh, I was like the ultimate disappointment in a way because my dad, I think, tried to train me to be like him. And if I could be like him, then I'd be perfect. No one trained me shit. <laughs> uh, so th- this is really great because my uh, how my dads and family rose raised me is maybe the TV will raise him. <laughs> maybe if he watches enough oh TV, God. the TV will raise our child. That was wow. the life. It is my I mean my dad and stepdad. Never, never pressured me, never coaxed me, never like, you got to work for towards something in your future. They gave me the laziest fucking attitude towards life, you know, and I, I, and it's still at points where I, I have to battle against that. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do you want to do? Like, they, I don't even recall them ever asked me, what do you want to do? Maybe in passing, but I, I that's. That image of them saying that doesn't even exist. It's just passive, moving along in life. You know, you you drink some wine. Well, I mean, <laughs> I remember actually talking to you like when we were working together, and generally, my I had an inkling that your fathers weren't generally happy guys. They were content. Okay, would probably be the apt word to use. Okay content like my uh father wanted to be a bricklayer when he came here you know like and that was his dream what kind of dream is a bricklayer like i i guess i mean you everyone know, like everyone's my, got their thing right? yeah my like, family on both sides of the spectrum my mom's side and my dad's side both set the bar for contentment in life real low i feel like, it's weird low. because i feel almost as if you know if if our 20-year-old versions would be talking to each other. We'd be like, wow, I really wish I had an upbringing like yours. But I feel Did like we there's... we even get along? Probably not. Probably not. No. I'd, no. I'd be really mean to you. Like, uh, we're going to get more into this when we, like, interview each other. But, like, I, looking back, I was an asshole. Like, most... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, this I is a little teaser that. for wow. that. I did not I'll expect explain that. Detail. Interesting. Uh, the main thing I, I want to get across with hmm. my upbringing complete rudderless okay like like just little to no input or you know on my mom's side just scared shitless and my dad my dad and stepdad nothing yeah just no I was... no guidance no nothing or anything so i was left to my own devices to come up with well Whoa! What, did, like, how do I be a man? I did, had no idea. Did you feel like they ex- accepted you as you were? I have no idea. Wow. Okay. Well, that's I have no so idea. Like, like we're totally on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Like the concept of love, uh, in your case, was either like you know you get love because you do the right yes. thing, or you get the stick. Yes. And pretty much. Mine was just. That was very Just accurate. <laughs> kind of nothing. You know, I did good. I did good. Mm-hmm. No one really cared one way or the other. I did bad. I'm like, yeah, don't do that. And nobody. I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. So it's just very so, yeah, like, the concept, laissez-faire. Like, the, we knew the word love. Yeah. But I, to this day, still don't even know, like, true love. Like, I never even felt that from my parents. I still, like, a thing to God grasp bless. over time. God like, I got to learn mom. for myself. God bless my mother. Yeah. I mean, she put up with so much shit. Oh, your mother. Holy cow. That, I, 
like if she if there was a poster if there was a calendar of moms she would be March. I you know like I don't solid. Know. I mean she, I don't know maybe February. She's up there. I mean in terms of loving yes, but I mean there is a bit of a disappointment on my end, which is that you know, and a lot of this is probably just conditioned in her is that she we never set the proper boundaries in the house that should have been there in the first place. Like, you know, if somebody raises their voice at you, you have a right to just leave that conversation. Like that's, that is a, if you explain to someone and say, Hey, like you're, you're, this is when you yell at me, I, I feel threatened and I feel scared. And in that moment, I, I, I feel, I feel scared. And I make it feel that you don't respect me and you you don't like who I am and and I'm just going to leave. And that never occurred. And you know, it's it's difficult because my mother's innate, my, my my mother's behavior also enabled my father's behavior. So yes, she was amazingly loving and I will totally I love that about her. But she also enabled some of the behavior that happened in the house. So leading into that, you know, now we got kind of a a framework. Mm -hmm. How did that kind of upbringing, those kind of influences affect you as an adult or young adult in the in the topic of toxic masculinity? Terrifying. (laughs) Number one word, terrifying. Like, like I wish, like, there are exes that I wish were listening to this and be like, wow, he finally learned. He finally learned. Because I was a terror. What what are some of the terms of toxic masculinity you would use to describe some Um, reactions? What are some examples? Like, this is the most obvious one. So if my dad was having a bad day, his natural reaction would be to instead of express sadness or vulnerability or being scared or being insecure, he would literally verbally just abuse everyone. And so if I was having a bad day and I was feeling insecure, my response was to be just a horrible human being, like just a horrible human being. Go on the attack. Uh, and I would just, I, I would hurt the people that were closest to me. And it's really sad. Like it's totally sad. And I mean, some of these people, like one of the, like one of the girls that, you know, I probably acted out the worst with, I, you know, we don't talk to, we don't talk to this day. And, it's it's an embarrassment and it's awkward because how do you even approach that when somebody thinks that you're like a monster? Mm. Right? Like some of my outbursts were just so extreme. I mean, some of the things I I don't think we were meant to ever be a couple. Like I don't think we were meant for each other. I don't think that was a good fit. But the way I dealt with it was just next level stuff. Like it was just extreme. And it was this kind of mentality. I think also there was part of it that kind of fell into it was like, well, you got to fight for love and you got to, you know, you got to work for love. And it's like, 
I, I, you know, like it, this concept. It's really of, messed up when you think those are literal <laughs> advice, not yeah. figurative advice. Yeah, like, like you know, and then fight then you're love, like punching a wall kind of fight. I, I punched the Tupperware box once. It was oh uh, god. Not a, poor, not a high that point. Tupperware. Not a high point. Um, you know, and then it, it's it's really awkward. I, I mean, it's something I'm actually quite ashamed of. Really, I mm. and and the saddest part is that in all of it, I had good intentions, and and my dad has good intentions too, but he the road has to hell learned was built on good intentions. Yes, of course, and and so. You could be saying something to someone like I could say to you, "Hey Vito, like you screwed up the mics," and or you know, like there, see, I screwed it up already. Like that, that sounds so, <laughs> that's so brutal. Like just the way, or but there is a way of speaking to people that is diplomatic and respectful and considerate and nice, and that concept was just very, very fluid for me. Like, oh well, you know. Doesn't everyone talk like this? Like it was just, I was mean. And then when I didn't get my way or if things were slipping, then I would burn the bridges. Like I would just turn into a whole, even worse human being because I'd see that things are going by the wayside. And the the realization I had, you know, when I was 30 years old is I was either going to find someone that was like my mother or, or I was never going to be able to get married or find a partner for life because my mom was the only like my mom was the only person that could put up with my dad, and I didn't want to have to be stuck with that restriction for my life. I have to find someone who could tolerate my abuse so I can marry them. You almost did. No comment. <laughs> but, that'll be that'll be a topic for another that'll be talk a, another day. But yeah, it's, the, it's, the one thing terrifying, and you really hit it, especially when you talked about uh, clear, honest communication is there's an aspect of vulnerability when you are trying to really communicate with somebody yeah totally. and vulnerability is the last thing you you learned and your dad oh, yeah, totally like your dad no vulnerability ever well gangs kong shows no vulnerability and 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 you run from it so yes, or you know, fight it the most obvious vulnerability i had when i was a kid is that I was fat. And my response to it was to become as as big and strong and powerful as I could possibly be. I mean, this even manifested in me, you know, several years ago now, well, like four or five years ago now, um, you know, doing like cycles of steroids. And the saddest thing is that like, you can't ever really run, run away from it. You can't. You, you can't run away from vulnerability you either have to face it or you'll be running forever and if, if anything like if, if there's anyone out there who's listening and this like resonates with you like really really think about this I'm, I'm not telling you what to do i'm not telling you you have to face it right now but just think about that because you can't run away from it it will always be under the surface and this is the thing like when i when i met that one girl she was probably, in my opinion, like at the time, she was like the most attractive girl that I'd ever dated. And that made me really insecure. And so that's the thing. You try to run away from it, but then you ended up facing it face first. And it's that's a horrible situation to be in. It was one of the hardest years of my life. And I, I'm sure I put her through hell too. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think we share that similarity in that 
I vulnerability zero. Yeah, zero discussion on that. Zero that like I grew up, you know, I basically learned the quote unquote being a man from like action movies. Well, actually, ability is not a topic of that. Well, well, maybe we should kind of get into the, like the next, yeah, the next let's, sections let's because I think that. we're already touching on it. Yes. So different let's aspects. Really touch it consensually. Yes. <laughs> no means no, Vito. No, I know this is a very small room. An excited yes means yes. That's right. Yes. You got it. So we're going to analyze this different aspects of toxic masculinity now. I just wanted to also say that there's going to be some overlap here. I mean, I've really put some thought into this and I realized that some of these topics, they're going to overlap and that's just inevitable with this kind of content. So the first one that's on the definition is the normalization of aggressive behavior and violence, which is interesting because it's something I just talked about. Like aggressive behavior could also refer to um, posture, Mm. Do you understand like t- posture and even like the way that you communicate, like, you know, violent, aggressive communication. So you got an example you want to spit out <laughs> or would you like me to give an example? You can totally give an example of, of what that would look like. So it sounds like you have one on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Because we both would do this uh, in when we would be bouncing. Uh, a really rough place. Yeah, of course. Is you need the posture and the look of don't fuck with me yes. unless you want to get fucked. Yes, pretty uh, much. And that's not, we both agree, that's not a good thing to be going around like that. But to survive in the environment, we needed that. Like if we showed weakness or vulnerability, they would eat us alive. Oh, so yeah. You learn in that environment and nightclubs are a fucking toxic environment. Well, it's it's super toxic because – see, one of the realizations I had when I worked – I used to work six nights a week in the city in downtown Vancouver. And when your job is to be, for lack of a better term, uh, when you're providing consequential learning, as you will – to think that you could work 20 or 25 hours at a place where you're providing this as a service and then not take it home with you, I think is really challenging. Yes. Yeah. Like, like that that becomes a habit, becomes like a muscle. And so I've been in situations where people would cross me and my response was not to say, like, like this is so crazy. This is oh, so let's, crazy. Uh, let's go outside and have it's funny. a discussion. I, I thought, I thought, I thought I didn't have an example, but I do. My initial thought when someone crossed me was, "I am going to punish you." Ooh, that's good. Like, I like mean, it that's wasn't a good example. It, 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 it's like, it's like, well, if I don't provide a consequence for this person, then they're just not going to fucking learn. Yep. Wh- what the hell? Like, that's not that's that that's 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 uh. That's like control that that's, you know, that's really, really overpowering, overbearing kind of behavior. And I mean, that's I know where I learned it from. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Genghis um, so I, th- I think that's like gives people a, a good enough idea of like what we mean by aggressive posturing, posturing, attitude, so and, nonverbal aggression. Yes. And so. I think it also comes from some different places. And so 
and I think it's also important to discuss where we learn some of this. So, you know, you actually just alluded to movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Arnold in Commando was, like, so cool. He was the coolest guy. He was a real man's man. He was a really expressive person. Yes. In all of his movies. Totally. I like it when he, he played a, <laughs> a Russian. Face. It was a movie I still haven't seen all sorts of things where he plays, like, a Russian dude. And, like, he dumps out a, a boot full of cocaine. He's like, cocaine I'm like, what is this? Yeah, it's just... I mean... But, I mean... The role models I learned, you know, quote, to be a man, as it were, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Jacques Clown Van Damme, you know, uh, you know, Jackie Chan, guys like that. They're just no emotion. They're just robots, you know. Yeah, and they, there's they, also and, they and robots. win the girl. The, the aspect of they win the girl by physically fighting somebody. Yes, like like they literally would like go into a building, kill, murder, sixty to one hundred people, then kill yeah. the worst bad guy, and then the woman would actually instead of being like revolted by his behavior, she would be like, "Wow, this is the love of my life." Yeah, that's so disturbing. <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> like, and the you're, women you're, you're marrying a, ma- a mass murderer who did whatever he could just to that was it take out some bad guys <laughs> some nondescriptive bad guys and and which actually kind of well this is actually goes into the next point which is that a lot of the movies and I also think there's also like corporations and governments that are involved with this is is a creation of the black and white yep so in any situation, I, I don't think it's so clear cut. Like there's, you know, there's no, people are people. And in general, I think people are good. I, I just really, I, I know that might be a stretch for some of you, but I do think that people in general are good. I don't think people want ill will for other people. And I think that movies, uh, government agendas are are basically trying to dehumanize and make it so it's black and white. Like, I'm the good guy and you're the bad guy. And, you know, and for that reason, it's okay for me to treat you in a certain way because in the movies, they killed all the bad guys and that's okay. And I think, you know, re- even very recently, like, think about um, think about Iraq. I Every day I think about Iraq. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, what a, what, a dis- like, what a big difference in the way that people viewed that war. Yeah. You had some people that saw it and I'm not trying to take any sides. I'm just I'm just going to just I'm just going to just explain the difference there. Some people saw it as very black and white. Those people are evil. We need to kill them. And some people said, "Well, these are just people. They're just people trying to live their lives." And so there's this creation of black and white. And um yeah, that's the military. That's a military way of thinking. Yeah. You know. Like and I, that gets I've, I've into so with, much uh, stuff. I've worked with some veterans and like, that's how you survive. And like, it's black and white. We're good. They're bad. Destroy bad period and discussion. And I mean, I I think that there's a place for that. If it's about survival and you're in a war or you're in a highly stressful place where there, it is literally between life and death. That's one thing. But a lot of us just aren't exposed to that anymore. That's just not the reality of our lives. Yeah, if you're working at uh, the local coffee shop, you know, to have that black and white 
view of the world gonna have a bad time yeah and and and, i mean there's also like different points of like um you know narcissism and glorification of certain types and it just it gets into a whole lot of things so can i i want to mention one movie yeah yeah, it's a great example of really bad male behavior and male male glorification scarface you know, believe it or not, I haven't actually seen that movie. What? Or if I did, I don't like. <laughs> what? It's a great movie. But I, I it, terrible person. Great they got movie. the quote right, where he's like, "Say hi to my." Say hello. Say hello to my little friend, <laughs> Tony Montana. Uh, that character, that movie. First of all, it's a great film. Yes. The character is horrendous. Mm-hmm. He does. I mean, he's the poster child of toxic masculinity. He's an evil dude. He's a horribly evil dude. Here's the biggest problem. The amount of people that love Tony Montana, the character. Like, oh, he's so cool. I want to be like Tony Montana. I've heard this many a time where they glorify that character for being that way. Because he got what he wanted. And And they just ignored the ending where... You know, he got his comeuppance. So, so randomly, I, I, speaking of another movie, um, I actually, one of my exes bought me a framed version of the Any Given Sunday speech. It's the yes. guy who's willing to die who's going to win that inch. And I know if I have any life anymore, I'm still willing to fight and die. For that inch. Because that's what living is. There's six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. Like, it's... Okay, like, do you understand this concept? It's great for a football game. It's amazing for football. It might even have applications to business. But when it comes to, like, life, fighting for... Like, fighting fighting to... Every inch. Fight... I fought for every inch. (laughs) Yes, you did. Yes, I did. Yes, you did. Can, Can you imagine? Like, that was horrible. Like, horrible. 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 This is where, you know, for various reasons, a lot of guys learn, like, oh, this is what it means to be a man. This is how I should act. And and furthermore, I mean, it's about winning and losing. There's a good side and a bad side. And if you won, then you're the champion. And if you lose, then you suck. Mm -hmm. That's what my dad said to me, actually. (laughs) His exact words. <laughs> no, like, like I had a bad football game. I got to tell this story because it's really yeah. funny. And and my mom goes, my mom goes, how'd it go, Seb? And I go, oh, you know, like it was a bad day. Like I just, you know, like it just wasn't feeling very good. And my mom's like, oh, it's okay. Like it's all right. Like you did your best. And my dad looks at me and goes, Sebastian, Saba, when you suck, you suck, man. You suck today. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, you know, like, but there's that concept. Like, like if you win, you're the best. And if you lose, but the thing is, the reality of the situation is that's wildly inaccurate because when you lose, instead of, instead of just focusing on the fact you lost and feeling like shit, I mean, it's a learning experience, you know? And so I, I think there's a balance that needs to be struck there. I don't think it's wrong to say to somebody like you didn't play well or, or, or it wasn't your best game or you know, let's talk about ways to get better. But at the same time, you know, shaming someone for basically taking like their dog and throwing it into its own shit is just, it's cruel. It's very cruel. 
Mm-hmm. So um, moving on. Yes. Do we want to? You put something in the notes here. Uh, well, you know? we could discuss that a little bit. I, I, I mean, we talked about it briefly, and it was really inflammatory <laughs> for me. It's up to you. Now our listeners are like, what? what? Uh, so let me. <laughs> we may, or, depending on uh, you wrote in the notes right here. I'm looking at them. But discussion, boys will be boys. Well, I just think it's a super dangerous term. Like, I just, I, I, I feel like we need to find another version of that, of those words. Like, I, I just, okay, like, I am really adamant about men's and women's issues and gay people's issues and trans people's issues like i'm going to be really you mean open people issues people issues okay go. like i'm adamant about everyone just being able to live the life that they live like i'm just these are you know and i think that's something like people should have autonomy people should have the right to do things and i think that the term like boys will be boys it can be really triggering for some of these audiences and I, I maybe we need to find a different term. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Oh, oh right. Boy. I know. I know. This was um, a sticky one. We for had us. A, quite the discussion. Yeah, we about did. This and I, I'm with you and everyone else that views this term as having as being an excuse for really poor behavior and yes. as an excuse to encourage poor behavior that down the road is just going to lead to more bad behavior. Yes. And I acknowledge if, that there's there's term there's times where this this term could actually be used in an accurate and safe way, but I do feel like in respect to all the people who've been harmed by all the things that have happened, this I feel is, like we need another term. Like this is it is, kids will I, be kids. I'm not uh, opposed to a new term. What I will say is the term, it's easy to know when it is an excuse for bad behavior. True. It can be used in a neutral way. For example. Okay. For example. And mind you, this is a very isolated case and and needs a lot of... (sighs) <laughs> it's so difficult. Is, to I know we talked so about for we example, talked about this for example, and like list off any uh, any neutral behaviors little boys get up to. They they like a little little horseplay. They yeah, like to course. go play in a ditch somewhere, like yeah. I did. So if you have a group of boys that get together and they want to go catch frogs in a ditch, could you not say well, boys will be boys? So why don't we just say like people will be people or kids will be kids? Because I'm just throwing this out That's there. That's a good idea. Like, it's a small change in semantics, but I mean, girls are totally capable of be- having horseplay. I mean, oh, there's yes. kids who are, there's boys who are totally capable of not liking horseplay. So, you know, kids will be kids, maybe. I- I'm not sure, but. Uh, we're not going to be finding <sighs> an answer today <laughs> in, a, I, I, in a very I, hot booth. I feel like it's probably in society's best interest to let that one die. You know what? I have a uh, a good idea. Sure. I would really love to hear some of our viewers give their thoughts. About boys will be boys? Yeah. Yeah, On on, on the phrase, boys will be boys. Like, 
What are your thoughts? I, and, and I actually, not only, like, I want to hear other voices too, aside from men as well, because, you know, we're not just here, like, yes, we are a men's health podcast and we are focused on making men's lives better. I think there's a certain part where we have to be open to other interpretations and maybe what the answer is. So mm-hmm. I'm open to it anyway. Cool. So Let's next up. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to take this time to reflect on just how macho you look today. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the macho man, aren't you? <laughs> you talking about me? Hey, everybody, I'm the macho man. Back from the dead. Macho yeah. man Randy Savage getting Hello, ready for WrestleMania 6. Do you have any parting words for Ultimate Warrior coming up here? I'm going to take the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Put him on a silver platter. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Macho Keep, Man. Thank you. Thank, thank you. We're going to go back to the pay per view today. Um, and we're going to go back to the podcast. Well, thanks, Macho Man. Thanks for thank you so much, by. Macho Man. We, uh, we really. Anytime, fellas. Because <laughs> the cream rises to the top. Yeah. I'm, I'm terrified and scared. Um, wow, that was uh, that, uh, our first star guest appearance is out of nowhere. Macho man Randy Savage has just left the building. The security has taken him away. <laughs> he's put him. He, he's going to be put back in his grave. Don't worry, he's, folks. <laughs> is he really? Yeah, he passed. Oh yeah, this is a long time ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah, anyway, I know. No. Moving on. <laughs> so we have self reliance and repression of emotion. So there's a lot of overlap here. Yeah, I alluded to a little bit of this in in my story and and yours as well. So so it's interesting though that in your story the response was almost like a passive aggressiveness or like a passiveness that would lead to like almost an explosion. Mhm. Uh whereas whereas in my situation feelings of vulnerability were met kind of head on, they were very palpable, noticeable, they came right to the surface and they manifested in anger and rage. Yes, yours definitely like you could tell you're angry. You couldn't tell how angry I was. Like I kept that wow. that shit close to my vest. Yeah, you, know, you unless like I I exploded, which you know, uh, unfortunately this happened a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I kept that shit real close to my vest. Wow, yeah, that was yeah, that was totally the opposite in my case. And I mean, if you're looking for proof of repression of emotions, you can just look at the depression stats. I think uh, males are. I think it was from our last podcast. It was like over three times more likely to commit suicide, but we had a lower rate of depression than women by like double. Like it was totally mm-hmm. crazy, which doesn't even make any sense because you would think that with our higher rate of suicide, that we would have either, you know, a matching rate of depression or a higher rate of depression. And it just seems like guys are just not willing to come forward and deal with these negative, weak emotions like fear, worthlessness, hopelessness. And I think part of it is also, you know, these movie things, you know, like like we are kind of brought into a world where the expectation level, I mean, for some of us, for me, for instance, you know, I kind of grew up into this like narcissistic world, like you have to do great things. And if you're not doing great things, then you're a disappointment. And I don't think I'm the only one that was raised that way. 
and it, it just sets up, sets up the situation where you're either great or you're nothing. So I think uh, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but <laughs> I, I think you see what I'm getting at here. Yes. Yeah. We wrote down, I mean, the idea, boys don't cry. Yes. Boys don't cry. Actually, I saw this. Oh, my God. This made me so cringe. Uh, this is a really good example. So this goes back to like the controlling kind of behavior I was talking about. You either do what the expected behavior is or you are not, you know, you're not fulfilling your role as a man. Uh, my nephew, Charlie, had something happen to him. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was hurt. And my dad literally looked at him. And, and this is the funniest thing. He looked at him and he goes, oh, and Charlie didn't even cry one tear. And you should have seen the look on his face. Like, it was like. I'm horrified. My my girlfriend actually said she saw an eye roll. Oh, boy. Yeah. Like, kind of like, really? You know, like, it's just, you know, what the hell? Like, it's okay for a kid to cry. Yeah. I was blessed. I mean, I actually wanted to cry during a movie and my mom looked at me and she saw that I was like, I was viciously biting my cheeks. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to cry. Mm-hmm. And she looks at me, she's like, it's okay to cry, Seth. Mm-hmm. And then I bawled. And I cry all in the movies, actually. So, What's the uh, number one uh, movie you cry at? Oh, my God. This is going to be, like, super shocking. Okay. I'm I'm sitting down. Okay, so you've seen The Last Samurai, right? Yes. You know the last scene? Yes. Where they go and they fight and then they die? Yes. I cry. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like see that. I yeah. ball yeah. because everyone dies, and and the Katsumoto is like such an iconic figure in that movie. So like for him to die is like this just um, just horrible loss. Like it's just awful. Wow. And this guy was literally just in service to the emperor, and he had to actually literally give up his life to do that service, which is just it's so insane to me. Like the concept of like honor in that situation. I I thought I thought it was just. So admirable. You should definitely check out uh, my one of my absolute favorite movies of all time, uh, Seven Samurai. Okay, we'll check it out. It, like, if you want, like, dying for a cause. Oh, ball. Oh, and a samurai. Cry. I'll cry. Yeah, it it's good. <laughs> so this kind of leads in. It's interesting because a lot of these things are kind of blend together. I in now me and you have been around probably one of the more toxic some of the more toxic environments in i mean aside from like a war-torn environment i feel like a nightclub is like a really toxic place horde so we've seen this and and i think this is really a big aspect of toxic masculinity is homophobia and the demonization of femininity so just to give you guys a description of what i mean by that Anything that's deemed as being female is typically deemed as being weak. And homophobia kind of fits into that role because typically people that are gay bl- blend the gender roles a little bit more. So it's it's more of when they when people say like I don't want to I hate using this term but you know the term fag is a, is a reference to the feminine aspects of a gay person. And it's villainized by the toxic masculine culture. That's why, like, when we worked in front of clubs and people were swearing at us when we kicked them out, it was one of the number one 
It's oh, one yeah. of the number one things that people would say to us. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, the two, the two, actually, the number one and two. Ooh, what can were I they? guess? Can you guess? You're a bitch. That's feminization right yeah. there. And number two? Uh, well, I know I heard fag lots. Yeah. Like, it was always a feminine or, or you know, like a quote unquote, like sissy kind of term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, you're you're a bitch or a pussy. Pussy was really yep. common, yeah, too. Pussy was there. And... So we're creating a culture where it's not okay to be feminine. It's not okay to be sensitive. It's not okay to be feeling. It's not okay to talk about your feelings with your friends. It's not okay to be vulnerable. And these are all actually regular traits of regular people. And that's, I think, what the biggest takeaway is, is that everyone feels these things. And it's okay to feel these things. One thing that just occurred to me uh, that's very poignant to this is that often, even in in friend groups, they'll, you know, whip out the, you know, like, dude, don't be a bitch. Yeah. You know, uh, like even adolescent boys will do that to their own friends to kind of make sure they conform to the you know group, as it were. I'm going to. I don't think I'm going out on a big limb here. I feel like in general, men don't. Oh my God, this I. Come on, I don't want to insult anyone out, here. Okay, man. like I, I, I've been going to like life coaching school, and I'm, I'm hanging around all these like old ladies, and I'm telling you, like my level of understanding of how to deal with emotions is just like leveled up so many times, and I thought I was like actually emotionally literate, and so. That's really disturbing to me. And I feel like we don't really know how to not just commute. We, we know how to communicate our emotions. But I think that a lot of us just don't understand how to receive, acknowledge, and, and actually just like, like, Vito, like, I see what happened to you. And I see your pain. And, and it's okay for us to just sit with it. Instead of saying you're being a bitch or, or let's just find the solution because it's such a natural reaction for men is, is, is to not sit with negative emotions. It's to, to get rid of them. Yes. I totally agree. Right. Like let's just, let's just fucking fix it. Like, you know what? If she's a bitch, then just dump her. Wow. Like that's kind of like the response. <laughs> like, it's like, Oh no. Like you don't, you don't, you know, you don't talk it out. You don't nothing. Like, you don't like her. Well, I keep hearing about it all the time. So you, you fix it or I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I know that. And I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard that line once or twice. Yeah. In, in different scenarios. So, I mean, I think that kind of outlines that point, actually. I don't think we even have to really get into it much more than that because that's so accurate. Mm-hmm. And so when we're listening to other people, I think it's really important to use certain terms. Like, you know, it's really understandable why you'd feel that way and really just acknowledge other people's feelings as opposed to just, let's just make them go away. You know, let's go, you know what, let's just have a pizza Drink a couple of beers, watch the game. It'll be cool. Yes. You know, just sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. We'll wake up tomorrow, pre- mm-hmm. pretend nothing happened. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one ever no one ever pulled me aside. I was like, dude, talk to me, bitch. You know, bitch to bitch. Let's talk. 
<laughs> Actually, I think I read somewhere, someone said it was so accurate. And and it, it, it was so cool. I think someone said something along the lines. I don't know where I found it. It was like a meme or something. Like, I just want to go to like, it was like something along the lines. Like, I just want to go to a coffee shop and just cry together. Oh, okay. I don't think you've actually seen it, oh. but it was just something along the lines. Like, I just want someone that I could just cry with. Mm-hmm. And I think that is actually an admirable thing for people to find in their friends. Now, I'm not saying like you can have circles, you can have onion layers. I'm not saying, you know, when you're at work and you have your defenses on, I'm not saying to put them down. But I do think it's important to let certain people into your circles, your inner circles, so you can have a place to be vulnerable once in a while because yes. I think it'd be really ser- a good a good service. Yes. So then we're into, which also kind of goes back into like the hero stuff and the movie stuff is status seeking. And I'm going to put kind of in brackets here at any cost. Mm. Right? Yes. So Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. Right? Every inch. Yeah. You want that Lamborghini. It's the guy <laughs> who's willing inch. to die who's going to win that inch. He's going to win that Lamborghini Countach. <laughs> oh, my gosh. God. I thought that car was so cool. That is the coolest car. That, was, the, that was actually on my wall. That I'm not I'm even gonna, joking. I'm going to get all the bitches when I get the car, man. Well, actually, that that's super accurate, actually. That's because exciting. Because, oh, my God. I just did an exercise today in my life coaching class. Um, They, they said- Hey, Sebastian, if you, are you taking life coaching? No, no, but- it, <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I did that thing that I do. No, 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 no. Okay, no. But yes, yes, I am. But it was really interesting, actually. Uh, we did this exercise. It was super cool, and it was totally relevant to what you're talking about. So, our instructor said, if you got all the money in the world, you had all the resources in the world, uh, what would you want? And then the second part of the question was, how would that make you feel? And the tricky part, she said it's kind of a trick question because really what you want is how it would make you feel. Ooh, that is good. Right? So like, like we think that, you know, by getting Lamborghini Countach, we're going to feel a certain way. And really what we want is that feeling. We don't necessarily need to get the Countach to get it. Interestingly enough. Yeah. No, I I agree. And so... Although Countach would be cool too. Kind of also like... uh, I was also, so there is, I also believe though that it is totally relevant for people to, in a healthy fashion, without stepping all over people, to actually succeed in this world and to make a place for themselves. And there's nothing wrong with trying to seek some status, but is it in the terms that actually resonates with who you are as a person? And I think that's really important. Well, the... I agree. And in those lines, it's ingrained in the human condition to seek a level of status within the group or or in society or whatnot. Depending on how you go about it is what matters. Exactly. For men, you know what? Like wanting to be Mr. Olympia, you know, because you have this goal and this aspiration and you love it and everything. And that's great. And you're. It gives you something to reach for. That's mm-hmm. great. Taking steroids and working out to get like a lot of quote unquote bitches. Uh, that's not 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 good, man. Not yeah, good. that's that's you know like you know making like pumping the guns so you look tough and you, like 
yeah, the guys just, who like roll I mean, up their sleeves in the gym, but they well, don't have big arms. Well, we're kind of like talking like, about like what I just said. Like I, yeah. I, I made up for my insecurity by trying to be as big and strong as yeah. I could. I did the same thing. Like I, I was a gym rat. All I did was work out, work out, work out, oh, work I know. out, work I've out. I've seen work, the work. photos. And I did it. <laughs> and I did it because I thought that's what girls wanted. I thought like that's what being cool and being a guy and like, oh, and getting getting girls was you just needed to look good without your shirt off. Well, that's what the movies told you, right? Yes. So it made sense. Well, that's what Instagram tells me. Well, if you are, well, if you can be the hero of the movie, then you get everything you want, right? Isn't that how it works? Yes. Right? I guess so. I, that's that's what I was told, but yeah, so, oh my God, like it's, it's just so dicey. That's a, that's a big rabbit hole. It's so dicey. Because right now, I mean- I always wanted to be like that, like, I actually did want to be like the, the knight in shining armor, right? Ooh. That was like my thing. I could see that. And, I see what and you mean with that. And, you know, like, that's so, I'm going to say it, like, fucked up. Like it's really fucked up yeah. because the expectation level is, well, I saved you. And if you save the damsel in distress, then she owes you, which we're back to Mr. Nice Guy again. Yes. I have. saved you from the dragon. So pull down your pants. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And and to keep it with the status seeking, I mean, we learned a lot of these, a lot of Bad, we had a lot of bad influences through movies and stuff, but mm-hmm. in this modern world, at the is in this modern world in the current time, Instagram and social media is oh. is king. Yeah, and it's true. I don't know if you remember um, a guy named Ziz. Sounds familiar. So he was, and this was uh, actually, I think it was pre Instagram or something, but he was a young guy. All he did was tan take steroids maybe okay, hit the gym who. every once in a while but he promoted this like i'm a super hot cool guy and if you're not a hot cool guy then you're a piece of shit you know wow. and you know i'm not quoting him or anything like that but that was the lifestyle he was encouraging and he has the hugest fan base he's he died of a drug overdose i'm shocked <laughs> like and but you see face. these guys online promoting that lifestyle and promoting, I ain't weak. You know, I wake up every day at four in the morning. I, I get shit done. It, it, it just, it's perpetuating that lifestyle and it's potentially harmful it's because super harmful. what they, what the percentage of people that post stuff on their Instagram that is completely fake. What do you want to want? What num- random number do you want? When you say us like, what do you define as fake first? Uh, advertising a life that they don't even exist, an yes. image that doesn't okay. exist, the Photoshop, this. The, oh, it's that, like the, insane! It's gonna be like through the roof. Like, it, I don't think a lot of people are real with people. No. Like, like I, even on my own Instagram, like I, if I'm having a bad day, most of the time, like I'm, I'm either quiet or I will say it. So. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> but that's not very common. I mean, for most people, I think one person described it once to me as like a highlight reel of their life. And I think that's a good way to put it and to a good way to maybe view it as like a highlight reel. Because for some people, they just won't post negative aspects of their life on their Instagram. So, I mean, a lot of it's just the highlights. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it's 
It's not necessarily, I don't know, I don't know. For some, it's definitely fake, but I, I think it's really misleading to think that it reflects all aspects of someone's life. There's no way. It, it, it doesn't. My, my favorite is, are the people on Instagram that uh, are traveling to a new country every week. Yeah, there's people like, like that. What? Come on. There, there are people like that, I swear Come on, to God. this is your fifth time going to Cancun. Like, Who knows? You can't afford this. People probably pay for it. There's probably like some other stuff going your on there. Your butt don't look that good. There are other things going on. Yes. So, moving on. Yes. Yeah, we're so, just going to wrap this up. Kind of, uh, well, I kind of think we touched on some simple solutions but cause we wanted to talk a couple a couple of solutions. So one was, you know, obviously finding let you know letting people into your inner, inner circle, finding people that you can actually be vulnerable with, being able to express those vulnerable emotions. I think is really super hyper mega ultra important. Mm-hmm. I know I said that like four different different descriptors there, but okay. The other thing is actually, and this is totally relevant, and there are there's actually a group called it's Adult Uh-oh. Children of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's actually a group that you can find online where if you're it's Adult Children of Alcoholics or Dysfunctional Families. And they actually do kind of like a group therapy. And I'm not saying you don't necessarily have to sign up, but if you're just looking for a place to express those emotions, and I've actually sat in and been involved in some of those meetings, I have found it to be so refreshing and so awesome to just be in a room where people just talk about the shit in their life. Because... Fuck me, there are no other places where we can do it. Like, like I just, I don't find a lot of places where yeah. I can say, you know what? Like, I was a piece of shit yesterday and I treated someone really poorly or I felt really sad. So if you don't have a safe space that's your friends, I mean, look into that. I mean, how about you, Vito? What, what do you so, have on the top? I've mentioned once or twice about my, my men's support mm-hmm. group. Yeah. And that's a place where it, it's taken me like two years to get to a place where I can really let down all the shields, take off all the masks, unpeel well, that's awesome. all the layers. So you it, found a place to kind of let people yes, in. Yeah. Yes. And it's a slow journey. This is not a quick no. fix. It is something that you need to work on. Totally. But the weight off your shoulders is undescribable. Oh, it's, yeah. You know, how you feel after you you work on it for so long and the sense of freedom you have. It's I, I, it's worth it's worth the world to me. The other thing I, I wanted to say, and I think it's very important, especially when it comes to like solutions mm-hmm. to this was also you know standing up for against this kind of behavior when it's applicable that makes a lot of sense actually i and you know what's funny i didn't even uh i didn't even write that down because so uh oh that's why that's you got really me great. baby that's so oh, good yeah. it's so relevant actually uh and standing up for those groups too like yes. you know 
and maybe even like challenging. And I, I mean, within comfort, like if you don't feel safe, I understand. I mean, if you don't feel safe to say to somebody, you know, maybe you shouldn't be using that term. That's one thing. Can I give a good example? Sure. And this involves us. Sure. So do you remember when we work at the club? I, I don't know if I should be scared or excited about this example. <laughs> uh, there'd be moments where we'd, it get would, would get really heated. Oh, yeah. Work. I remember. The slower nights we get into a discussion. Oh, and, yeah. You know, somebody's toes were inadvertently uh, stepped on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like suddenly it got really quiet and really awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I remember. And it, it made work very uncomfortable. I think that just one little aside yes, before you yes. get into this is I don't even think that I was able to accept and acknowledge people's negative emotions at that time, which mm-hmm. meant that I would try to fix you, which when you're trying to fix somebody who like you've you've basically said, you know, you have depression, that's impossible. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sorry. I just I just wanted to just say like that was a really big problem with yes. that situation. Yep. Yeah, I was, you know, uh, you know, the first for a while working there, I wasn't even in a good place myself. Mm-hmm. The one thing, you know, when we worked there, and it would get like we'd have this oh, yeah. argument, and then it would turn into no talking. Yes, you know, I remember that. We, I we're not discussing our, our goddamn emotions, goddammit. Yeah, I was just and angry. The only way I saw out of it is like, okay, we need to hear each other. And mm-hmm. and somebody uh, needed to just... Break the ice kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, like bite the bullet and just break the ice and confront. Yeah, you know, in, in a true. In a non-argumentative way, just... Let me hear your side. And that was the way, like, That's I true. would go That's against true. it. Actually, is, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. Uh, can, I, can I add something, yep. actually? Absolutely. Is, is uh, one thing that's actually really taken me off my defensive side is when somebody says to me, because I go to that black and white place, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm having a really hard day, it becomes black and white. So sometimes someone will say to me, hey, um, Seb, like, I'm not your enemy. I am just your friend and we're trying to work this out together. And I think I actually recall you saying something like this to me. Like we're just trying to work this out as a team. And I think it's really important when you see someone that's in that situation to literally say that to them, to remind them because sometimes when you're in a dark place, like you just want to start like just masquering people. Like it's horrible. Mm-hmm. I-, I think that is an important thing that you could actually say as part of being a man is being able to do the hard things that need to be done. Yeah. You know, and one of those hard things, like, holy shit, was it like my heart was racing. Like I so did not want to confront you. I remember I, I, was, I was like, like, I was like a pit bull. Oh, I was like, physically I'm like, like a pit bull. I got to fucking do it. I, I got to fucking do it. Oh and, my God. It was like, and some, that was intense. Yeah. And it was one of the things I learned through being open in my my men's group and knowing the valuability of actually just talking and just listening mm-hmm. and 
actually like confronting. Yeah. You know, in a constructive manner. Totally. You know, not getting angry, not getting vicious, but like just let's talk. Yeah. It was really good. That to me, years ago, impossible. Impossible. Yeah, I mean it's it's very likely that had you not confronted me, we might have just been quiet for like forever. Yep. Yep. So like that's a totally relevant possibility. And and our friendship or or I would just like kind of like quietly regard you but i would just like ignore you as soon as there I would be see. resentment yeah. yeah like i'd just be like oh this video all right see you later bye yeah so good work y- you know if if you're confronted with those kind of situations standing up to just listen mm-hmm. and just open a dialogue totally <laughs> yeah that that's an aspect of being a man Totally. And I mean, you that's know, also opening that up to vulnerability. It's, yeah. it's, you know, and you know, someone's angry at you. That's not an easy conversation yeah. to have. And, and I think, listening. and just approaching it with like some compassion and a little bit of love. And, and I think, you know, I think in that moment, I recall, like one of the things I remember is I knew it was difficult for you. And I thought, holy shit, like this, he must actually give a shit to actually like have this conversation. <laughs> like, do you understand? Like, like yeah. I knew I was unapproachable. Yeah. Like I was like, Wow, this guy must actually give a shit because, like, the way I'm talking, like, the way I'm, like, referring and looking and acting is, like, I'm literally a pit bull Mm. that, like, was, is really angry. (laughs) Yes. And, and on that note is when I showed you a level of vulnerability, you suddenly had a level of vulnerability. True. You know, you, when I, that's so cool. And so not only you should be, you know, encouraged to work on yourself to grow and be better and totally. to let go of these possibilities. But when you confront somebody else, another guy yeah. that needs, you know, to let go of those, these toxic masculine traits, approaching with a sense of vulnerability and security about that mm-hmm. and confidence yeah. about that will help them let go as well it's true it's yeah. super true like we actually help each other by doing it so yes th- thanks for that actually no worries. i uh i remember that really well <laughs> so the other thing i was going to introduce as well is i had a lot of success doing parts work with my therapists if you're in vancouver this i'm not being paid i'm not nothing um i mean his name's joel brass and he has a book and his book is called Healing Your Relationship with Yourself. And I just want to introduce the concept of parts work to people because I think it's really relevant in understanding the interplay of different personalities that we all have or or, or, or maybe not personalities, but different sex that we have in our brain that are operating together. So I'm just going to read this off from his book. It's called Healing Your Relationship with Yourself. And... I'm just going to qu- quickly qu- go through the different aspects of our of, of of just different aspects of our brain and personality. So we have the inner family model of self-healing posits that there are essentially four primary eyes or consciousnesses, that's probably a better word, within each of us. At the beginning of any healing journey, there are these three. There is a spiritual consciousness, the only whole, complete and indivisible inner family member. And then in, then we have the child consciousness. And there are two aspects of this consciousness. 
one, a natural or free inner child, which I also call the authentic self, and two, an adaptive or broken inner child created to cope with pain and trauma, and three, an independent defensive ego consciousness, which is necessarily developed out of the adaptive child consciousness and becomes the primary and controlling force of a person's life, suppressing all other inner family members. Through healing work, a fourth member of this inner family is created, which is the independent, aware adult consciousness. This consciousness doesn't exist in the inner family until the work of a personal healing begins. This is because the unhealed person is almost totally identified with or controlled by their aggressive defensive ego consciousness. So to give you guys, uh, that's kind of the end of the, uh, the quote there. But to give you an example, when we're young, when we're kids, we are this free-flowing entity. We just love life and we love people around us just very naturally. We're just in our environment. And when something goes wrong, when there's trauma, when things go awry, when someone, when someone takes that innocence and destroys it, our defensive ego is the part of our personality the consciousness that says to that child, listen, child, this is this is too much for you to handle. You know, screw feeling sad, screw vulnerability, screw all those things. We are going to create something and I am going to shelter you from all of this. Now, the, the upside is you survive. You survive the situation. You get through your childhood. You make it to where you are. But the downside is that in doing that process, you have numbed so many different compartments of yourself that in a way you feel lost. And so that's where parts work is really, really helpful. Uh, so I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not getting compensated by mentioning the book. I'm not getting, I, I did, I did actually email them to make sure that we were okay to mention it. Uh, but parts work is certainly something you can look into if you wanted to understand the interplay of these different parts so you can understand why we act the way that we act. And it's really been fascinating for me. So, yeah. Awesome. So, I think it's pretty good there. Yes. And I also kind of wanted to allude into the next podcast because I oh, wanted yes. to talk about... Oh, yeah. What are we talking about? Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Macho Tomorrow, Man just... Next week, we're going to be interviewing Macho Man. No, we're going to be... We're going to be talking about me. The Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. You. Slim Jim. Hulk Hogan. Oh, the ultimate, ultimate warrior is here. A spaceship. Listen up, brother. Gonna go to parts unknown. Wow. I, you know what? No. Listen no, up, ultimate no. warrior. <laughs> You're a real tough cookie. But me and the Macho Man. Oh, yeah. We're gonna be missing you. So if you want to understand a little more about what makes Vito Rizzo tick. <laughs> and Sebastian tick. Come check us out on Men's Junk on our next episode. And be very afraid. Very afraid. Because Macho Man is coming down. All right. Say, say goodnight, <laughs> Ultimate no Warrior. <laughs> I said say goodnight, Ultimate Warrior. Let me, sorry, I got to pick up my belt. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> this is great. I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Say goodnight to all the men's chunk viewers out there. You. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>